chapter number 16. And we are going to finish up this chapter tonight, good Lord willing. And number 27, verse number 27. So you say, well, it's not too far to the end. That's pretty hopeful. And yes, praise the Lord. And uh, excited to uh, have some baptisms tonight as well. Proverbs and chapter number 16. And uh, verse number 27 is where we're going to start. Get your pen out. Uh, get your paper out. Get your journal out. Get something out. And uh, take a few notes tonight. Father in heaven, we love you. We need you. Lord, you said wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all that getting, get understanding. Lord, wisdom, you said get it. It's available. It's available. Uh, and through desire, a man having separated himself, seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. We can get it if we want it, if we desire it. And so, Lord, our, may tonight our hearts, no matter what's going on today, no matter what happened in the car on the way here, or what happened at school, what happened at work, no matter what, Lord, may our minds and hearts focus now on your word and receive the wisdom that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Proverbs 16, verse number 27. The Bible says, An ungodly man diggeth up evil, and in his lips there is a burning fire. An ungodly man diggeth up evil, and in his lips there's a burning fire. Proverbs 16, 27. All right, here's a simple statement. We're trying to put all these verses into one simple statement. Here it is very simply. Digging up dirt is evil. Digging up dirt is evil. I think the Bible makes that clear, don't you? Don't you? Yeah, an ungodly man diggeth up evil. Uh, listen, what makes the news... What makes the news? Dirt. Dirt makes the news. Dirt sells newspapers, magazines, etc. But God, listen to me, God is not for uh, investigative reporting. Uh, there's enough bad news on a daily basis without our having to dig up more. Uh, so, have you heard about so-and-so? Now listen, you better run from that person. You better run from that person. The Bible says in his lips there is as a burning fire. Now, the Bible said a person who is, uh, digs up evil, uh, their lips are on fire, and you're about to get burned. Now, not, hot lips not like you're thinking about. <laughs> James said it this way, they're set on fire of hell. That's the kind of fire. Now then, today, we have these super-duper digital shovels where, where, whereby we can mine an entire world wide web to find dirt. And uh, we have uh, a shovel called Google, and a shovel called Bing, and a shovel called uh, Duck, Duck something another, Duck, Duck Go, and I'm sure there's others too. And uh, tick, 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 you can find dirt on just about anybody, anywhere, at any time. But let me tell you something. The Bible said that's an evil practice. Amen. Listen, it used to be, you know, uh, you, know you, you, you go to the, the checkout line and the, you know, the National Enquirer, the Star Magazine, you know, uh, uh, two-headed baby with lizard tongue, uh, born to 480-pound 
mother, or, you know. But you don't have to go to a magazine rack to find it. It's everywhere. Click of a button. You can find dirt. You say, well, I wasn't looking for something evil. Listen. What does the Bible say? Jesus said, how do we pray? He said, pray this. Deliver us from evil. Look. This, this thing of, well, I wasn't I wasn't planning to get in trouble. I, mean, I wasn't looking for something bad again and again and again. And we emphasize, you don't have to be looking for evil. Evil's looking for you. It's looking for you. Uh, you, don't, you don't need to chase it. You, you need to avoid it. You need to avoid it. You say, well, I wasn't looking for something evil. You know what? This, if you're digging and you dig up a dead carcass, you have to deal with it. If you're digging and you dig up an evil report, now then, you can't just say, well, I'll put my shovel down forget it. No. Now then, that evil report is in your head and you have to carry it with you. I was taking Brother Ray and Mrs. Young, uh, Dr. Uh, Mrs. Ray Young back to the airport when we were talking and I was asking them different questions about things and it always helped me so much. And I was asking him some questions about Brother House. It's very close to Brother House. And I don't remember how we got on the topic, but he told me this. He said, uh, he... Uh, he, he, had, he would travel not uh, uh, with some frequency he traveled with Dr. House and some occasionally they traveled together and so uh, he uh, uh, was with him and, and they, they were on the same flight and they came to and the pastor picked him up from the airport and as was often the case the pastor you know would have questions for him and so forth like that and um, uh, anyway, it was some distance from the airport uh, to the hotel, and and the, the pastor picked him up. They greeted one another, put the luggage in the car, got in the car, and passed it up. Uh, uh, Dr. House, I'd like to ask you a question. He said, sure, and they passed him a question. And he said, from that moment after he asked the question until we pulled up in front of the hotel, he answered that question. <laughs> he said... I mean, he just kept answering it, answering it. And he said he went all over a lot of different subjects, but all in response. I mean, and nobody else said anything. I don't know how long it was, 15-minute ride, 20-minute, 30-minute ride, whatever it was. He, he talked the whole time. And <laughs> they got to the hotel, and he said, well, thank you, and thank you, and we'll pick you up the service at this time. And they walked to the front desk to get their keys to the hotel. And Brother Young asked me, he said, why did you do that? I've never seen you do Why did you talk the entire time? He said, well, he said, I love the brother, but he's negative. And I know if I didn't control the conversation, it would go somewhere it shouldn't go. So I controlled the conversation. <laughs> How about that? Now, listen, you and I have got to go. There is so much evil is so prevalent and dirt is just everywhere. You can feast on it or you can avoid it. Amen. You can avoid it. Um, when you listen to this statement when you have a personal tragedy in your life you will thank God for those who don't dig up evil you know when it's somebody else and somebody else's family somebody else's kids somebody else's life somebody else's marriage but let me tell you something when, when heartache comes to your address you will thank God for the ones who don't whisper. 
I remember Ms. Weaver years ago, and uh, we had a good family in our church, and anyway, but they broke up, and their marriage fell apart. And, um, but one of, the, one of the parties stayed in church, and the other one didn't, sadly, but you know, one of them stayed in church, and that was, uh, that was commendable. And I remember Ms. Weaver walking up to the lady, and it had been over a year and she said, to, I, 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 as I'm in the center aisle, I can still hear it and see it. She said, I, I miss your husband. You tell him how much I miss him. And she said, thank you, Miss Weaver. She had no idea. They'd been separated and divorced for over a year. You know why? Because she wasn't a digger-upper. Right. She wasn't a whisperer. Amen? Thank God for folk like that. In Micah chapter 7, verse 18 and 19, the verses verses says, Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity and retaineth not his anger forever because he delighteth in mercy? He will turn again. He will have compassion on us. He will subdue our iniquities and thou wilt cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. I love the story of Corey Ten Boom, the hiding place, and she and her family were watchmakers in Holland when uh, when uh, uh, Hitler took over Germany and World War II and his his uh, uh, systematic slaughtering of the Jewish people. And her and her family were believers; they were Christians, and they hid Jewish people. They literally built false uh, false wall in their home and hid Jewish people in the walls of their home. To, to shield them from the Gestapo and from going to certain death at the concentration camps. And, uh, uh, but uh, they were eventually, they were found out, they were betrayed, uh, actually, and found out. And, uh, and uh, she, uh, all of her family, all of her family were killed by the Nazis in the concentration camp. Her sister, her parents, her sister was killed. And she, by the grace of God, survived what was a clerical error, uh, but it was the providence of God. So she could tell the story. And she uh, went literally around the world telling the story about she teaches much on forgiveness. And some of my favorite teaching on the subject of forgiveness is Corey Ten Boone on the subject of forgiveness. But she, uh, she said this uh, 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 often. She said that when we bring our sins to the Lord Jesus, he cast them into the depths of the sea, forgiven and forgotten. And then he puts up a sign, no fishing. In her thick Dutch accent. I like that thought, don't you? In the depths of the sea of God's forgetfulness. Removed as far as the east is from the west. Amen. You go that as far as you can that way. And go as far as you can that way. And that's how far our sins have been removed from us. Amen. Now we don't need to go fishing. We don't need to go digging. And the Bible said it's evil to dig. It's evil to dig. When you and I have to, con- when you and I have to confess and forsake, and God forgives and forgets, when you're in that place where you have to confess and you have to forsake, and God forgives and forgets, then you'll be thankful that others don't go fishing and don't go digging. Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen: He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. It's a game you won't win. You know, anybody can schmoo anybody for a while. Anybody can play a game for a while. But you cannot fool God. And if you play the game long enough, you won't be a fool much of anybody anymore. But if you confess and you forsake, there's mercy. Amen? So what do you do with evil in your life? Confess it and forsake it. Amen? 
confess it and forsake it. Look at verse number 28. A froward man, a crooked man, soweth strife, contention. He, he drops little seeds that cause friction. A froward man soweth strife, and a whisperer separateth chief friends. See how these verses go together? Here's yet another on the tongue. We, when we whisper, why, why do we whisper? Why do we whisper? We whisper because we don't want somebody to hear, right? We whisper because, now there are some, there'll be some appropriate times to whisper, certainly. But especially when we whisper in front of other folks, it's usually because we don't want folks to hear. And often it's because uh, what we have to say is not in good taste. Or it's inappropriate. Or it's critical. Or demeaning. Or negative. Or intentionally uh, slighting someone. Intentionally excluding someone. All right, so thank you. Uh, uh, so, uh, the, what does the Bible say about these whispers? The Bible says the whisperer separateth chief friends. The word, the word chief there, this comes out of your Webster's 1828. Uh, uh, chief means dear or best. Dear friends, best friends. Best friends. So here's the statement. Never try to separate friends. Never try to separate friends. Listen, look at me. You say, well, I, I know so and so. They admire this person, but they don't know what I know about them. It is not your job, it's not my job to knock somebody down so they don't get some kind of recognition or some kind of admiration that you think they don't deserve. We're all here because God's mercies are new every morning. Amen. Amen. And I thank God that God uh, uh, has given me less than my iniquities deserve. Amen. How sad to think that I might cause a person to lose a dear friend just because I couldn't keep my mouth shut. How many people have lost dear friends because somebody couldn't keep their mouth shut? Your, your mama said it to you. Your grandma probably said it to you. If you don't have something good to say, then don't say anything at all. That's somewhere in the Bible probably. Uh, it could be, right? Anyway, if you don't have something good to say, keep your mouth shut. Amen? Listen, now you listen. You beware anybody who has to lower their voice to tell you something in company. Well, now let me tell you something. There's poison. There's some more hot lips. Lips on fire. How many whisperers, tail bearers, and backbiters have destroyed the dearest of friendships? Listen to me. Under the guise of... Here's how we do it. Here's how we do it. Well, as your friend, I thought you ought to know this. Because I care. 
You better watch out. Somebody's lips are on fire and you're about to get burned. James 5, James 3, 5 and 6, even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature and is set on fire of hell. Kids, you listen to me. You find a little girl, you find a little buddy, somebody who wants to throw their mom and daddy on the bus, under the bus, their lips are on fire and that fire is from hell. That's what the Bible says. You better run from that. Somebody comes seeking a pity party. Well, my teachers, my principal, they mistreat me. They got it in for me. You better watch out. That fire's going to burn you. Separating chief friends. Look at verse 29. We'll put 29. Uh, well, let's take verse 29. A violent man enticeth his neighbor and leadeth him into the way that is not good. A violent man. A violent man. A violent man. Do you know what Genesis 6 says? Verse 5. God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Verse 11. And the earth was filled with violence. You know why God wiped mankind off the face of the earth of the worldwide flood? In large part because of violence. In large part because of violence. Whatever portion you've heard about the horrific things that have happened in the last couple of weeks and probably are happening right now as we speak to innocent people, did you understand the fury of a God that would send a worldwide flood on the whole earth? Now, the Bible said, a violent man, a violent man enticeth his neighbor. The word entice means, listen to me, to instigate, to seduce, to tempt, to lead astray. So here's a statement for this verse. Beware, beware of instigators. Beware of instigators. Beware of the one that everybody knows is going to hit that spot until something gets stirred up, is going to make those comments until something gets stirred up, is going to push that issue until tempers flare or fists swing or whatever it is. The Bible said you watch out for that crowd. A violent man enticeth his neighbor. Here's what they, here's what they do. They want to get other people in. Nothing sickens me anymore than college students marching in the streets of this nation tonight defending barbaric, demonic, horrific, mutilation, murder, unspeakable things we could never speak about in company like this. And 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 and, and you know you know, listen, you know who enticed them, you know who inflamed them? Some self-styled Expert, some 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 left wing atheistic person indoctrinated his whole life in so called higher education, who thinks he's smarter than God, smarter than the Bible, and he gets a a a, a little group of spoiled brats and gets him in a classroom 
who tells them about the evils of the world. And we have, listen, we have kids. I don't know what it costs to go to Harvard for a year. I have no clue. Probably $80,000 a year. And somebody's paying, I don't know what it is. I have no idea. But somebody's paying big bucks to send these kids to a classroom to be indoctrinated. And here we have innocent people mutilated, set on little babies set on fire, people mutilate, unspeakable atrocities. And they cry out against the ones who want to defend themselves against such atrocities. That's a sick mind. But the culprit in that is some pin-headed professor in a godless university who enticed those young people. A violent man enticeth his neighbor and leadeth him into the way. Young people, listen. I have enough sense to know when someone's taking you the wrong way. Have enough sense to know when someone is taking you in the wrong direction. When a conversation, in conversation, somebody's taking you somewhere you ought not go. A hothead, a smooth talker, someone sneaky, a liar, a pity seeker, someone critical of mom and dad. The Bible said you beware. You beware the instigator. Listen, young people, listen. You need to learn this. You need to learn among your peers to say, I'm not going along with this. I'm not going along with this. If something goes awry in the youth department and something goes awry in the Christian school, I've taught you young people more than a few times what you do about it. You handle it the right way. You treat everybody with dignity, no matter how pinheaded they are. <laughs> you treat everybody with dignity. But you hold fast to that which is right. And if you, if you, you say, well, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't write it. I didn't say it. But you, listen, you are a partaker of their evil deeds if you will not stand up for what's right. Say, hey, we're not doing this around here. Amen? Amen. I'm not going along with this. If you allow yourself to be enticed by an instigator, you are in the presence of someone that God calls violent, and they will hurt you, and they will hurt others. Verse number 30. He, the violent man, the instigator of verse number 29, he shutteth his eyes to devise froward things, twisted things. Moving his lips, he bringeth evil to pass. You ever see somebody talking like, a little bit, like their eyes are closed like this, they're talking to themselves? Trying to think of something. You do that when you're trying to when you take your math test. <laughs> you're trying to think of something. You say something evil, yeah, math. No, uh, uh, but we do that when we're thinking. You know, deep in thought. And here's a man. The Bible says he closes his eyes. He shutteth his eyes. He moves his lips. What's he doing? He's concocting something evil. Here's a statement. Use your imagination to help, not hurt. Use your imagination to help. Not hurt. Amen? Amen. You know, the, I mean, sending these thank you Jesus signs for the last five, six years all over again. You know, a little 14-year-old boy down here off of Hopewell Friends came up with that. That's a pretty good little idea, wasn't it? I like that. I've, I've, been, I've been in other counties far, far away from this place. And uh, he lives uh, with the, uh, the church. I don't know where he lives, but the church he goes to is right around the corner from where we live. And I'm talking about, I've, I've seen him 
many, many places other than just this area. Many surrounding areas. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. That's a 14-year-old boy came up with that. Hey, why don't you come up with an idea? Amen. Why don't you come up with an idea? Something good you can do with your life. Use your ingenuity. Use your brains. Use your imagination. Close your eyes. Think about it. Amen. You got to talk to yourself. Talk to yourself. But come up with something good that will help mankind. God saw the imaginations of man to be nothing but evil and swept the world with a worldwide flood. Look at verse number 31. The Bible says, The hoary head is a crown of glory. If it be found... In the way of righteousness. The word, uh, the, the hoary head, H-O-A-R-Y, um, is hair that has grown white or, or gray with age. Now, it's not premature. Sometimes it's premature white. But it's hair that has grown white or gray with age. So the Bible's talking about a white-headed elderly man, the white head, uh, 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 that silver hair, that gray hair, that white hair, for an aged individual is a crown of glory. If, there's a big if in there, it be found in the way of righteousness. Now, let me give you this thought. Young people, you are becoming today what you'll be one day. You are becoming today what you will be one day. See, some of you think, well, I'm just a kid. Some of you, listen, you don't know it, but you're already hindering your future opportunities. Now, I think you're a teenager. you got time to overcome that. But some of you are already building a reputation that's going to hinder you not too many years down the road. You're becoming today what you'll one day be. Listen, young people, young men, young ladies, young men, grow to be a wise old man, not a dirty old man. The world makes a joke of dirty old men. But dirty old men are just that. They're nasty and they're dirty and they're filthy. And you ought to say, I'm going to, I'm going to have, I'm going to be a silver fox. Be dignified, respectable, decent, honest. Amen? Yeah. You ought to make up your mind. Now, if you're going to do that, you're going to have to do that as a young man, aren't you? Yes. Yeah. The word if there signifies that that will depend on the choices you make. Your choices will make the difference if you are a wise old man or a dirty old man. H.A. Ironside said about this verse, Riotous living in youth generally means decrepitude in middle age and premature death. And that's certainly true. I, I have buried so many, many, many over the years of my peers, folks younger than myself, folks my age, Many. And there, um, well, <laughs> enough said. Uh, young people, listen to me. Don't you, don't you make life choices that's going to make you look like an old man when you ought to be in your prime. There's a whole slew of people 
much younger than I had to have every tooth in their mouth pulled because of the choices they made. Their skin is permanently marred and scarred because of the choices that they've made. Their cognitive abilities have been permanently impaired because of the choices that they made. I want to I want to grow old if the Lord let me and I want to be dignified. I want to be as good looking as I am now. I had to look to see if my wife would smile. Anyway, but listen, listen. Uh, sin will prematurely age you. Sin will prematurely age you and mar your body. Verse number 32. <clears throat> he that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh a city. He that is slow to anger. Now, it's not talking about somebody passive here who has no emotion, who doesn't get stirred up, who doesn't get angry. This verse is about a person who is slow to anger. The Bible says over and again uh, uh, that uh, numbers of times it says that God is slow to anger. Here it says once here that man, this speaking to a man, can be also slow of anger. But that's characteristic of our God, characteristic of our God. He gets angry, but he doesn't, get, he doesn't fly off the handle. He's slow to anger. He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. Listen, listen. The big man, th- let me paraphrase this first. The big man is not the one with the biggest muscles. The big man is the one that can control himself. He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he that ruleth his spirit. Now I want you to notice that phrase, underline that phrase. He that ruleth his spirit. The best synonym I could give you, I think, would be, uh, at least in the context of this verse, would be your attitude, your outlook on life, your spirit. Daniel was greatly used of God. Why? Because he was a man of an excellent spirit, the Bible says. So here's a statement I want to give you. Take charge of your attitude. Take charge of your attitude. There is no power greater than the power of self-control. Young man, listen carefully. You are called by God to lead. But you will never lead until you can lead yourself. You'll lead astray. You'll disappoint. You'll break hearts. But you will never be an effective leader until you can lead yourself. A lot of folks, they won't be able to tell other people what to do. But you've got to be able to look in the mirror and tell yourself what to do and what not to do. Where to go, where not to go. What to look at, what not to look at. What to listen to, what not to listen to. Where you're going to be, where you're not going to be. And that kind of personal discipline, leading yourself, will make of you a leader of others. When the Bible says, talks about the fruit of the Spirit, uh, see if you can name them with me. The fruit of the Spirit is love joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Again, such there is no law. Now, wait a minute. Lists in the Bible are important. And more often than not, you will find those lists are by priority. And I think that's the case in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, which we just quoted. Are you listening? Are you listening? Are you listening? Are you listening? Talk later. Cut up later. Listen right now. 
The first thing that happens when you get filled with the Spirit is all of a sudden you have love in your heart you didn't have before. You have love in your heart. Listen, all of the racial tension in this entire country and the world could be settled if we were Spirit-filled believers. Every bit of it. The first thing that happens to you when you get filled with the Spirit is you get filled with love. You love people. And, but then, joy. And then, peace. And then, long-suffering. Patience, if you will. Gentleness, goodness. The last of the list, signifying the greatest, uh, signifying, uh, how to say this, uh, signifying the, uh, uh, the, uh, uh, the, 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 the maturing of the spirit-filled life or the epoch of the spiritual life, or the mountaintop of the spiritual life, is, listen to it, temperance. You know what temperance is? Self-control. Self-control. Are you ashamed like I am sometimes? Are you ashamed sometimes how little it takes for your spirit to get cattywampus? Sometimes I'm... Having a great day, and all of a sudden it just, and I'm thinking, seriously, I just let that bother me. Lord, forgive me. Don't you hate it when you get filled up with yourself? <laughs> yeah, spirit filled. The spirit filled life is a disciplined life, disciplined thoughts, disciplined schedule, disciplined associations, disciplined spending, disciplined goals, work habits, attention. Let me, let me give you some important areas of discipline. Write these down. A disciplined mind. Your thoughts. You and I have got to exercise self-control in our thought life. Proverbs 23, 7. As he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Philippians 4, 8. Gives a long list. Lovely, pure. Think on these things. Read it sometime. The whole list. Think on these things. God is saying you can choose what you think on. You can choose what you dwell upon. A disciplined mind. Disciplined thoughts. Now young men, listen to me. And everybody, but young men especially. You have better get your thought life under control. You must be the ruler of your thought life. Number two, a disciplined schedule. These are five important areas of discipline. Number one, a disciplined mind. Number two, a disciplined schedule. Listen, look. Listen. You ought to be able to come to a 45-minute Bible study... Or 40 minute Bible study, or 50 minute Bible study, you ought to be able to come and give your attention. You say, Well, I'm only nine years old. You ought to be able to come and give your attention. You ought to be able to discipline your mind. Some of you have little bitty bladders, and you, I think you need surgery. You, let me tell you something you don't have to go to the bathroom, it's in your head. I have never left this pulpit in 28 years to go to the bathroom. I drink water on this platform, sometimes while I'm preaching. But do you know why I don't have to go to the bathroom? Because I'm not thinking about my bladder, I'm thinking about the Word. Why don't some of you mamas call their bluff? All right. Now, if you have a real physical issue... I understand they do exist, okay? I, I get that. But most of the time, your mind, you, listen, you, you can't discipline your mind. If you were, listen, if, okay, 
if you were watching a movie and it was coming down to the end, you wouldn't get up. If it was coming down, if it was a cliffhanger and coming down to the end, you wouldn't be throwing paper wads or acting like you're asleep in class. You're such, you're so lousy at that. You know what? You don't have a disciplined mind. You cannot tell yourself, I'm going to focus on that. If it doesn't go ding, 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 or make you smile or make you laugh, you can't focus on it. And if you cannot, listen to me, if you cannot get control of your thoughts and you decide what you're going to focus on, you decide what you're going to think about, you will never reach your potential. The mighty man is the disciplined man. The man who is ruler of his own spirit. The mind, your schedule. Your schedule. The Bible says redeeming the time. Redeeming the time. You ought to make up your mind that you are going to be in control of your life and get you one of these things right here. It's called a watch. It's 8.06. I'm going to be done soon. <laughs> Number three, <laughs> disciplined associations. Disciplined associations. Listen, you must be the ruler of who influences you. I have prayed literally hundreds of times, God give me wisdom as to whom I shall allow to influence me. Listen, you, you just, and, and, and stuff is so accessible, and you just get on and start reading after somebody or watching something, looking at something, you have no clue who's influencing you. You don't, you don't know who's behind that keyboard on the other side of the world typing those words. You must decide who you will allow to influence your mind. Disciplined association. Book, friends, books, friends, uh, music, so forth. Uh, number four, disciplined goals. Disciplined goals. Listen, a goal without a plan is nothing more than a wish. That's all it is. You set some goals. And by the way, I, listen, I don't understand folks who don't want to be the best at what they do. I don't understand. I don't understand. Listen, you have an opportunity. You ought to make the most of that. Is there not something inside of you? Young men, listen to me. Young ladies, is there not something inside of you that would be embarrassed for somebody to know that you failed a class? Does that not embarrass you? Does that not make you want to crawl under your desk? Man, there ought to be something inside of you say, by God's grace, I, I, I ain't never going to happen to me again. I'm going to get a good grade. Is there not something inside of you that, 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 that your mommy, you're 16 years old and your mommy still has to put your jelly on your sandwich for you? You can't find a clothes hamper? You want a license and you can't find a clothes hamper. Don't, isn't there something about you that walk in your room and say, you know, I don't really care to live in a pigsty. I want more than that. I don't want to be a dirty person. I want more than that. I, I, I want to be, I, I, want to, I, want to, I want to take control of my life, my mind, my thoughts, my environment, my time. Hey, the Bible said this is the mighty man. The one who is disciplined, disciplined spirit. Number five, write it down. My attitude is my decision. 
My attitude is my decision. Write that down. My attitude is my decision. You will never win at relationships until you take rulership over your own spirit. Now you listen to me very carefully. You're going to learn something in life. Young people, this is what pastor is going to teach you right now. Eventually, spirit trumps both talent and brains. There's going to come a time. You, 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 you see, you can, you can, but people are desperate enough today. Just about anybody can get a job. There, there's so many jobs. If you want a job, you can have a job. And, 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 and if you go out, especially if it's in the service industry, you can tell that somebody, you know, really wants that job or doesn't want that job. And, uh, Work, work uh, ethic has gone, has plummeted in the last two and a half years. Anyway, but eventually, young people, this is what pastors are going to teach you right now. Listen to me. Eventually, there's going to become a conversation. There's going to a conversation going to happen. And in that conversation, somewhere in your future, listen to what I'm saying, your name is going to come up. Now, you might be the smartest guy, you might be the most experienced. You might be the most talented in that area. But you listen to me. You are going to get passed up. And that opportunity is going to go to somewhere, someone else. Not because you're not better suited or better equipped. Or not because you're not the smartest. Not because you're not the most talented. Or have the best ability. But because you have a lousy attitude. And your attitude is poison. Now, if you could be isolated and sit in a room by yourself and have a rotten attitude, you'd probably get the job. But the problem is there's very few jobs like that. You've got to interact with other people. And if you have a poisonous attitude and spirit, eventually you will lose opportunities. You can choose. You can choose to be respectful. You can choose to be kind. You can choose to look others in the eye. You can choose to smile. You can choose to speak to others. You can choose to be humble. You can choose to be grateful. You can choose to be thoughtful. The Bible said this man is mightier than the man that can take a city. Brute force can take a city, but a man of self-control is the better man. I'm going to teach this last verse here and take about five minutes to do that. But before I do that, we have a couple folks who are coming to profess their faith publicly. I'm super excited about this. And I want to recognize them. Kate and Rob Potter and Juanita are all coming. Juanita's nine. And Kate and Rob and Juanita are all coming to follow the Lord in believer's baptism. Isn't that wonderful? Would you give them a hand, please? Amen. And, uh, let's, all just, let's all just stand together for just a moment. Let's stand together. We're going we're gonna to finish up the Bible study in just a minute. But I want to give them a little chance. Those of you that are coming tonight for baptism, won't you go ahead and slip on out and I get a couple of my baptistry workers to help me, and we'll get them ready. And as soon as we finish up this last verse here in the, uh, in the Bible study, we'll have a baptism. Amen. And they'll be ready to go. And, uh, and this is a wonderful, wonderful thing. Amen. And uh, we thank the Lord for that. Amen. Let's have a special prayer for him. Lord, bless this dear family. 
And as they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and want to show that they're not ashamed of the Lord and publicly profess you and follow you in believer's baptism, help them to grow, grow, grow in their faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. And you may be seated. Let me give you these five things. Write these down about ruling your own spirit. Number one, let me give you five ways to rule your own spirit. Number one, leave your goat at home. Leave your goat, G-O-A-T. Somebody says, well, that person just gets my goat. Leave your goat at home. Here's what I mean by this. Don't turn your spirit over to anyone else. Don't you let anyone else and how they treat you determine your attitude. Don't you let your parents, your children, your brother, your sister, your friends, somebody driving down the road you never met in your life, how many people will lose their spirit over somebody they never met before, and you're going to give them that much control over your life. Think about that, how foolish that is. Number two, spend time on what you can control, not what you can't. Spend time on what you can control, not what you can't. Listen, you. there are things in your life you can do, there's things in life you can't do can't do there's things you can change there's things you can't change you focus your mind and heart on the things that you can change spend your time on those things uh uh, i I would strongly encourage dr rice dr house charles spurgeon i learned some things those three men packaged it together for myself for many 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 years have kept records myself of personal discipline things areas i wanted to grow and areas where at, at, at seasons of my life it was a matter of intense uh, uh, discipline and making myself do something. And you know, some of those areas, God eventually just helped me. He just helped me. And it's not the battle once it was. And then uh, Charles Spurgeon used to have a list of things that he wanted to do that, uh, to, to, to improve himself. And he'd take one a month. The Prince of Preachers, he'd take one a month and he'd focus on that. Hey, listen, spend your time on what you can control, not what you can't. Number three, accept past failures accept past failures a lot of people because of a failure will give up on life just about and say well i I was gonna i was gonna i was gonna you know exercise or diet or i was gonna do better in my grades i was gonna uh, read my bible every day and you failed so all right so what get up and go again amen you failed don't don't stay defeated you know listen a lot of basketball games could be won if we would say i failed now it's time to move on. You make a bad shot. Boys, look at me. This will help you win games. You make a bad shot, and you spend about three seconds going, oh. And in those three seconds, the other team got the ball, and they're just about to make a layup. Why? Because you couldn't accept, I failed. Get with it and do better next time. Amen? That's a good life lesson. Number four, decide to do right no matter what. I'm talking about ruling your own spirit. Decide to do right no matter what. And number five, yield to the Holy Spirit. This is good, and I'll finish with this. In the 1890s, uh, 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 The Gentleman's Guide to Self-Mastery was published. And in that book is a a chapter on the kingship of self-control. This takes me about two minutes to read this. Stay with me and hear me out. Man has two creators, his God and himself. His first creator furnishes him the raw material of his life, 
and the laws in conformity with which he can make that life what he will. His second creator himself has marvelous powers he rarely realizes. It is what a man makes of himself that counts. When a man fails in life, he usually says, I'm I'm, as God made me. When he succeeds, he proudly proclaims, I'm a self-made man. Man is placed into this world not as a finality, but as a possibility. His greatest enemy is himself. Man in his weakness is the creature of circumstances. Man in his strength is the creator of circumstances. Whether he be victim or victor depends largely on himself. Man is never truly great merely for what he is, but ever for what he may become. This control man can attain if he only will. It is but a matter of paying the price. The power of self-control is one of the great qualities that differentiates man from the lower animals. Every step in the progress of the world has been a new control. And he talks about electricity, lightning. Man harnessed that and learned to control it for good. At each moment of man's life, he is either a king or a slave. As he surrenders to the wrong appetites in human weakness, he falls in hopeless suggestion, subjection to his environment, to his circumstances, uh, to failure, and thus he is a slave. But as he day by day crushes out human weakness, masters opposing elements within him, and day by day recreates a new self from the sin and folly of his past, he then is a king. He is a king ruling with wisdom over himself. Alexander the Great conquered the whole world except Alexander. He was an emperor of the earth, yet he died the slave of his own passions. Now, I don't think a Sunday school teacher wrote that, but there's a lot of good stuff in that. Amen. Let's rejoice with you.